You know what you call that? You call that one in a row, baby. Yes, the Phoenix Suns have defeated the San Antonio Spurs and are streaking. Again, they've they've won one in a row. One in a row, Matthew, for the Phoenix Suns. Hey. Nice, <laughs> nice little hey. you there, huh? Yeah, you know, they figured out how to win again. It took them a little while, but they're <sighs> like, hey, you know what? I think we have it in us, and we'll get this win tonight for the Suns fans. You know, shout out to the Suns fans. Monday night, good crowd. Find someone you love. Bring them to the game. Just have a good time, you know? Enjoy the epic ending. Nice little date night uh, to watch the Phoenix Suns go up big on the San Antonio Spurs and then allow the San Antonio Spurs to march all the way back, tie the game, take us to clutch time minutes, and then CP3 just do what he do. He takes over the game, man. Get back. Yeah. The sun. Get back! Get back! Get back the way you want to go. Let's just let's just talk about the Beatles. Let's talk, yeah, <laughs> let, let's talk about the Beatles. Get back on Disney Plus. Eight hours of content. Uh, did you enjoy? No, we can maybe talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> but welcome everybody to the Sun's Jam Session podcast. Happy to be coming to you once again following a Phoenix Suns victory. They are now the first team in the league to twenty wins. Uh, although the Golden State Warriors are probably going to win tonight, but you know what? The Suns did it first. Uh, 20 wins for the Phoenix Suns, 20 and 4, after defeating the San Antonio Spurs on their home court by a score of 108 to 104. So if you're watching along live on YouTube, please hit that thumbs up button while you're here. Hit the subscribe button as well. And you can join and become an elite jamster simply by clicking the join button or following the link in the description. If you're listening to this podcast, wherever you're consuming this content, please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you're watching on Facebook or Twitter, uh, go to either one of those places and, and do all the subscribe stuff. That's, that's what we ask of you. Uh, and it was a great victory for the Phoenix Suns tonight. So do it for the Suns. Uh, I'm popping open a nice Coors Light. The Rockies, according to this beer, are blue. Uh, I'm glad that the Rockies are telling me this blue. Or these are blue because, because if they weren't blue, I wouldn't know that it's cold except by picking <laughs> it up and feeling the touch. So thank you, Coors, yeah. for uh, a dumb marketing campaign. Matthew, what are you drinking with me this evening? Well, at least you know it's not cold outside, really. But um, the Deschutes, dude. I mean, I'm hooked on these. Nice. I, guess. I don't know. Which I one are those? Them. This one is uh, Fresh Haze IPA. Ooh, the Fresh, Fresh Haze IPA. That's a good, good one. Very very smooth stuff. So I don't know. First time I've had it uh, this month, and now I can get get enough of it, you know? Wow. I mean, it is the 6th of December, so kiss, oh, kiss that December? beer. Yes, the Sombre. <laughs> We've entered right, the Sombre months, now. There you go. There you there go. You go. <laughs> well, cheers, Suns fans. Pop them if you got them. Ooh, yeah, crisp. Let's talk about this victory over this, those motherfucking San Antonio Spurs. The San Antonio Spurs did all they could do trying to come back and defeat the Phoenix Suns after beating the Golden State Warriors the day after the Warriors beat the Phoenix Suns. It's so funny to see all of the different comments, uh, especially on the YouTube feed. It's interesting how well the Golden State Warriors fans travel to different YouTube sectors, if you will, because they came and decided to troll our uh, podcast page. And, and you know, like, we don't want to hear about the Suns being tired after a back-to-back and this and that, you know, and, and Golden State forever and Steph Curry. I love them. <laughs> you know, like all these little trolls things. And then literally the next night, they lose to the San Antonio Spurs. So... Matthew, I got to ask. Matthew, I got to ask, were the Spurs a little bit more than you expected them to be? I mean, we talked about this team a little bit earlier in the year when the Suns did beat them as a part of the 18-game 18 18-game 18 win streak. And we referenced the fact that this is a young team and uh, you know they play in the way that Greg Popovich likes to play. But were you surprised with, A, the fact that they beat the, the Warriors and, B, the, the fight that they put up tonight after being down uh, by a pretty substantial amount, um, amount at one point in this game. No, not at all. I mean, we've seen this from the Suns all year long when playing these teams, especially the Spurs, right? They fight the Suns. They they know their weaknesses and the front line. Sometimes DA will come out 
and he'll play the game like they're playing the Spurs and he'll get the 10 points early. And then, you know, the rest of the game, he's kind of missing a little bit. And then the Suns, they don't seem so interested in it, but they pull it together. They, they do enough to beat these teams right now. I think they know how much they need to put out there to win these games. And again, like usually this question you ask me, like, were you scared that they're going to lose the game when we're in the close games like this? You know, no, again, it's, it's, I'm not it didn't afraid ask that this, this time. I know. I just, it's like the same thing basically because you're supposed to whoop these teams and they have been a few times, but this is just, it's such a weird thing where you don't have to worry too much when it comes down to crunch time. We just, it's the same thing almost all the time with this team and they come through different players. Cam Johnson sucks from three all game, hits two big threes. Mm-hmm. Jay Crowder comes in, in the second half, can't make shit in the first, and it gets 12 points right in the first six minutes of the second half. So I think they know what they have. They know how to control these games to get at a certain point to where it, it's easy for them to finish. It, it might be a little bit more difficult tonight when the free throws don't go down for CP3 or something like that, but it's always just it. It's always a Suns game. It's always just always is, man. I'm never too worried about it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I wasn't necessarily worried about the the outcome of this game, but I was interested to see the talent shine for the Spurs because they're a team that I just I don't know much about. I mean, I know that they're a team that entered this game with an eight and thirteen re- uh, record, which is good for twelfth in the Western Conference. They're a team that had lost six in a row before winning four in a row to meet the Suns tonight, and they're a team that again, has plenty of young athletic talent that obviously is going to be well-coached because of Greg Popovich. But their resiliency tonight is something that I really, I think I was taken off guard by. Uh, you know, you have some stellar players there. DeJounte Murray obviously being the catalyst of that team. You know, he had you know a great night again tonight. Uh, you look at his final line, and he had the 17 points on 7-12 shooting, including 2-for-2 two two from 3. But you could you just kind of look up and down their box score. 17 points from him, 12 from White, uh, 14 from Pirtle, 13 from Johnson, 14 from McDermott. And they're just a team that, you know, obviously this isn't going to be their season. If they do make it into the playing game, they're not going to go far because they just don't have the matured talent to to progress in the playoffs yet. And although Murray's on his way to becoming a star in this league, he, he's got a long way to go. He's still a young, raw talent. But they were really resilient in this game. And we saw that especially in the third quarter where, you know, the Phoenix Suns came out and they, they I think they started on like a 4-0 run to increase that lead to 16 or 15. And then they ripped off a run right back at the Suns and ultimately came back and tied this game. So I'm impressed with the talent that is uh, in uh, San Antonio, I'm like a lot of the Jamsters who are watching along live and they're just kind of damning the, the Spurs just because, you know, they're, they're a team that we don't like. I mean, it's the Spurs. Yeah. We, we yeah. have past scars with this team that we will always uh, hold on to and, and hold tight. You know, PTSD, post-traumatic Spurs disorder. You know, it's it's a phrase that we've used here and that I know that I think Justin from Fan of the Flames he coined. Yeah. But, it, but it's definitely something that's real right it is um it's something that we i i can't stand to watch them i mean i think this is what the second game we played them this year it feels like already yes. five <laughs> i just i it gets so super annoyed when i see that they're playing the spurs it's just something i don't like but their team they, they play smart ball that towards the end of the game even ej pointed out it's like the suns expect them to shoot threes to get back in the game no they go to the they go to the rim they kept going to the rim and it's just something that you know pop is telling them to do you know chip away at that lead and they Compared to a lot of these teams in the cl- in the clutch time in the last five minutes with the Suns when it's like a ten point game or even a five point game, I just think that this is the closest the team really has gotten where they just kept chipping and chipping away to where they had a chance at the end really to have a last second shot not a last second shot but they're only down by one field goal so you know the other teams we would end up beating by like ten points by then but in the last minute we'd be up by ten points DA celebrating but the Spurs just play smart ball to where they keep it 
under control. They don't lose themselves too much and keep themselves in the game. That's the one thing I could take away from them. And they just, they share the ball. McDermott kind of goes off for a little bit, but then they keep sharing it to Portal in the middle. So they just keep moving the ball and stuff. So the smart ball is a good thing for that young team. It's going to help them grow. And it's gross to say, but yeah, they do have some nice talent and, you know, they don't look, they look like Spurs players. So that's kind of annoying too. <laughs> yeah. Matthew Spurs players theory where everyone who plays for San Antonio is just, 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 just a little ugly. <laughs> Ugly, you know, so they're just, they're just a little off. They're a little weedy. A I don't little, know what it is. Just a little <laughs> off. But, you know, when, when you look at the way that they play basketball, it's very similar to one Chris Paul. Collectively, they were playing the way that Chris Paul manages this team whenever the Phoenix Suns get down. And yeah. it's a luxury that we have this season because they haven't been down very often. Uh, but we saw it in the Golden State game uh, in the first half. And, and for the duration of that game, how the Phoenix Suns were getting to the line because Chris Paul knew to push the issue in that game. And it's the same thing that you see when the Suns are down at other uh, times during the season is, listen, if we're down by seven to ten points, we don't need to be jacking threes up. We need to you know hit high percentage shots, which for you know Chris Paul, obviously, is the mid-range and Devin Booker is the mid-range. Uh, and, and go from there and then maybe draw some fouls along the way. And and they play a more cerebral game. And that's just what happens when you play against the likes of Greg Popovich. It's like, I don't know if you saw any of the Buffalo Bills, New England Patriots game tonight and did 14, 10 with the Patriots winning in like a fucking windstorm up there in Buffalo. But it's the same thing. It's like, listen, I think Mac Jones had like three total passes the entire game. I mean, yeah, smart, it's, right? it's cerebral. <laughs> it's a cerebral way to play sport. And that's what you get with Bill Belichick and his comp in the NBA to me is Greg Popovich. Do you agree? Oh, I totally agree. And the way he just manages games, it's never the prettiest ever, but it gets the job done because look at the Patriots. And I don't want to talk about football too much, but look at them early in the season. They were dead, right? Now they're like one of the best teams in the AFC because they take their time with things. They, they manage the game so well. It just, mm -hmm. it's like, you know, the goal is to get the win and no matter how you do it, if you get the win, you get the win. And the Suns are that way too, right? I mean, we, we come into these podcasts, it's like, it's an ugly win. It's an ugly win, but it's a win. We're not those, we're not that team to really blow out every, every team that sucks. Mm -mm. So, I mean, as long as I get the win, dude, that's really all that matters. And that's what the Spurs are trying to do too. Just try to get to the end like they did tonight and try to pull it off against a better team. Well, and kind of to that point, I mean, that's why the Golden State Warriors, for other reasons outside of simply this fact, due to their success in recent years, uh, but they are the highlight real team. They are the Steph Curry. You know, they're showing him hit shots from the stands before the games and shit like that. That's yeah. why they get all the love and attention. And it's the same thing in the NFL. It's like the Arizona Cardinals are 10 and two and no one gives a shit, but everyone's going to be talking about the Patriots and what a great yeah. job uh, Bill Belichick has been doing. You know, it's, it's the, the curse of the disrespected from a national media standpoint, son's, or Arizona sports teams, the Suns and the Cardinals. And personally, I really don't give a shit. Like we bring it up obviously on the podcast. Me, yeah. We we bring it up because it is something that is 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 noticeable because it's happening to us. I bet you if you were to ask another fan base, although I have seen on some of the Reddit threads, people coming into both the Cardinals and the Suns Reddit threads and being like, hey, I'm from like British Columbia and I don't get anything other than ESPN and they never talk about you guys. Like they're always talking about the Warriors and the Lakers and what's wrong with the Lakers and this and that. It's like, it's never like, whoa, go Suns. And same thing with the Cardinals. So from the outside looking in, some people are noticing it. It's, it, it's, it's a no duh why it occurs because the juicy stories are the ones that around the fan bases that, that get the most clicks. You're just going to get more clicks around people in Los Angeles because there's just that many more people there. Uh, but truthfully, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't bother me. Uh, it bothers me. In certain, I, I think it bothers me in the moment when, again, like I'm watching an ESPN broadcast, like I was on Friday and just hearing the love fest that's going for the opposing team. It's like, dude, come on, like, give me something neutral here. Right. Give me something yeah. neutral. And I was asking my friend today too. I'm like, what is the purpose of really caring about the national media and what they care about your team? Because I mean, the Suns, I mean, it's it's different. If you're like a band trying to make it, you want the exposure. You want people talking. That way you can sell out the arenas and you can just be the big headliner. But the Suns right now, of course, they sell out the arena. They, Whenever they go anywhere, team the other team uh, fans want to be there and watch them. 
but it's like, what are we gaining from it? You know, other than them talking about it, we sit there and we listen. It's like, it's all scripted, mostly a lot of it. And of mm -hmm. course, that's why Stephen A doesn't know what Mikhail Bridges' real name is. He calls him Michael Bridges, <laughs> yeah, Michael Bridges. because they don't, they don't watch it. They don't, and I don't blame them. It's fine. It's some dude telling them pretty much what to say and all that shit. So you have to worry. I guess you have to worry about that, but I don't, I don't worry about it because the Suns don't need that to get to a championship. The goal is to get a championship and win in the finals. You don't need the media to be talking about it. All you need to do is fucking go win games, stay humble. And that's what the Suns do because they don't worry about the, what the media is saying. And if it did affect them, then it would affect their play on the court. And I'm so glad that the Suns are not that kind of team to where they want to showboat. They want all the commercials. They want all that because the Suns have always been disrespected in that way. DA, the number one picks, not even the commercial. Devin yeah. Booker just now getting Nike commercials. So they're used to it. And it's just like, you know what? We're winning. We're going to get to the finals again and we're going to win it. And we don't need the media. We don't need people talking about us. And they're going to call Mikhail Bridges the wrong name again when they're here in Phoenix, Mike Wilbon and Stephen A in the next final. Will, so Wilbon will get it right. It. Respect to Wilbon. Wilbon. He'll, yeah. he'll get it right. Yeah, but again, it, though, it's so. almost like, you know, I, I get your point. And it almost comes to like the whole just purpose of social media, if you will, for some people is some people mm -hmm. po simply post things on social media for attention. Uh, I definitely know some usernames on Twitter who do that. I mean, they'll say the most random shit or just say the most kind of just like, hey, look at me comments uh, because it makes them feel better. And I guess it kind of goes with the national media as well. It's like if you care so much about the national media, it's because you want to feel good about your team. And you know what? If that's what you need to feel good about your team, maybe you don't need to, you know, maybe there's a deeper lying issue. But we'll go into the psychology of that totally later. Let's uh, let, let's talk a little bit about this yeah. win over the Spurs. Uh, the first thing I wanted to bring up to you, Matthew, was the thoughts on Landry Shamich's job spelling Devin Booker. Uh, entering or tonight, he went just seven points, uh, two or one of one from deep, two of three overall from the field, one assist. Uh, one rebound. Prior to this, entering this game, he was averaging 12.5 points. Is Landry Shamit doing a well enough job spelling Devin Booker? Uh, that be, I'll, I'll, I'll just let you answer that question. Um, well, I don't think it's really his job to do that. Um, you bring him in for depth. Um, to replace him in the lineup, I mean, to have him replace Booker in the lineup is kind of something different. I actually thought they would go the Cameron Payne way or they would go the Cameron Johnson way because Cameron Johnson, the second half of the first game when Booker got hurt, came in, did such a great job. I mean, it's not like Cameron Johnson has to play what Book plays, but just having that body and some guy that's in there that's a shooter. And, I mean, Cam Johnson had a pretty bad game until crunch time. That was fine. But Shamit, it's not his job to do. He's had those games now to where even on national TV, he had a really good game. He'll hit some big threes here and there. That's what he's paid for to do. To really expel Booker, no, not at all. I don't think I've ever really thought about that. I think it's kind of like when Alfred Payton had a fill-in for Cameron Payne. I thought it was just enough. He just gave enough there to really just help the team not fall apart, not do too much, not do too little. He's just kind of there. Shamit, it's just I think when I watch Shamit, I think he gets into his head a lot. Mm -hmm. I think he he'll he'll shoot he'll he'll sh try to shoot himself out of a slump. But you can just tell by like the attitude he puts into releasing the ball. Sometimes it just seems a little bit too forced. It seems like he's not trying to be the way he should be on the court. I don't know. It's a weird way that I'm watching. I'm just like this. This doesn't seem comfortable. He doesn't seem comfortable there. And it's not a situation that he should be put in, but he is right now. And we all, of course, want Booker to come back. But I don't put any weight on him on his shoulders at all. I pay attention to what Chris Paul's doing mm -hmm. and how he's managing the game, stuff like that. And I apologize. I only read his third quarter stats. I said, I'm like, I feel like he shot more. Uh, he ended with 11 points, two of nine from the field, one of three from deep, got the majority of yeah. his points at the free throw line, six for seven from the, fr uh, the free throw line, had three rebounds, three assists, and two personal fouls. So uh, my apologies there. Uh, Thomas Dennett says it in the chat. He says, nobody can fill Booker's shoes but Booker. And I think that's a good starting point when you have the Landry Shamit filling Devin Booker's uh, minutes conversation is just that i mean he's not going to be devin booker the goal is for him to just assist in uh putting up some points and allowing and, and the rest of the team picking them up and you know looking at the warriors game that was kind of the problem with that game is the bench really didn't show up really uh cameron Payne, and he had a he had a solid game then he had a solid game tonight again 11 points he was averaging 12.5 entering uh, tonight as a starter. So, you know, he's doing what he needs to do, but I definitely agree with you when I see that uh, he is having some just forced shots issues. It's almost like, Hey, 
I know I'm going to, I need to take shots because of, you know, kind of my, what my role is right now in the confines of this offense. So he just takes a shot instead of trying to, you know, do one in the flow. And, and the big ones that I see are like, they'll do a quick inbound pass and he just jacks it up. It doesn't take any time to set his shoulders square up to the basket. He just like, like the fadeaway out of bounds three point shot off an inbound when there's like 14 seconds left on the shot clock. It's things like that. I feel like those shots are non-productive shots, which lead to non-productive possessions, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like when I go into a podcast, you know, even like last playoffs when we did it with solar panel, like, all right, Matthew, come on, you got this, you got this. And I'll I'll say something like, what the, what did I, was I saying there? Like, come (laughs) on, you you have notes right in front of you. You can't even read your own notes. It's kind of like that. That's the way he's shooting the ball right now. And uh, I don't know, man. I just, last game, I talked about with um, uh, coach Mm -hmm. Evan B. And we were talking about how, um, you know, Shamit, the way he moves across the lane just to release like a mid-range shot. It looks so difficult, and then yes. you have Booker doing it, where it's just so easy, Smooth. easy. It just you just see the difference, and that's that's why you can't fill his shoes. And again, he's he's definitely being productive, and all this is going to do is assist with him gaining more confidence when Booker does come back, uh, because he does know, hey, I, I can shoot like shit, I can go two for nine, and Monty's not yeah. going to ride my ass or anything. My team can still win, so it allows him opportunity. Uh, to gain confidence now obviously he was you know he, he put in how many minutes tonight like 25 yeah 25 minutes tonight mm-hmm. uh but it was cameron johnson who really started to shine in those minutes vacated by devin booker i feel lights cameron action yeah cam there, i mean there were some lineups out there where it was chris paul uh mikhail bridges jay crowder da and cam johnson and I thought that was a good lineup because, you know, Jay's your four, DA's your five. And then you have Mikhail and Cam kind of switching between the two and the three. Obviously, on defense, they're extremely switchable, but it allowed them to be a little bit more flexible on offense. And that's kind of the lineup that really started to, uh, when the Suns were down in the second quarter, brought them back into it. I mean, you have to go all the way back to the first half when the Suns were actually down 11 in this game. And that was the lineup that Monty deployed that allowed them to be productive and move forward. And I think that, you know, you look at a uh, coach fallen founder in the chat, he says, start Johnson and move Mikhail to the two and run him more plays. And you saw a yeah. lot of that tonight and it was productive. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know if I'd go all the way to say start Johnson over uh, Landry Shamit. Uh, but I do think that it's an interesting, you know, again, start Landry to see how he starts, you know, the first six to seven minutes of the game. If he's feeling it, he catches one of those in fuego nights and you know, you're going to get 30 from him, which is completely possible. You stick with that hand, but this is a nice adjustment that Monty Williams made in the second quarter and, and went back to multiple times where he had Johnson playing the three and Mikhail playing the two in Devin Booker's absence. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for it. I mean, I want him to, of course, to, to be the guy I just mentioned it right before this where I would like to see him as a starter. Um, it's positionless basketball, really. You're going to get like the most talent, I feel like, from your starting lineup. And, I mean, Cam could just do much more, I feel like, than Shamit. Shamit can't – if you ever watch him try to drive, it's just not very pretty, right? And Cam Johnson's not too much better, but he does have it in him to where he tries and he does hustle. His shot, of course, wasn't falling early in the in the game, but then he catches on. He's always at the end of the game, right? He's always in the in, in the last five minutes. He's always on the floor. He's never afraid to take the shot. Uh, him taking it to the rim when his three wasn't falling was beautiful. That's just like, that's where he is right now. I'm like, where is he at in his career as of right now? I think that he is just, he's sitting there in a position where he's teeter-tottering, maybe a starting position, but I really love him coming off the bench. But mm-hmm. also he's just used in many, many different ways. The bench gets into it when he takes it to the rim. Like they know how powerful he can be. He falls awkwardly sometimes, so it kind of scares me. But that pass to the DA where just he wrapped oh, it around man. two Spurs players where he got away with it. And DA, that was the play of the game because yeah. the Spurs steal that. It might be a different bit different story. So he has those things where he can kind of get away with things. And then sometimes he doesn't. So then you got to kind of watch that. So he's over, over, overly confident from anywhere on the floor, whether he's passing it, whether he's shooting the corner three, whether he's bringing the ball up or he steals the ball and has a fast break, gets the end one, plays like that. So he's just so he's pretty much everywhere right now on the court. There's not a really definitive answer to what he is. And if he were to start in the lineup, like you said, he would play like the three. 
I just, I don't know. He's such a random player that just hustles and you just love to see out there. So yeah, starting would be awesome. But as long as he's out there to finish the game, that's all I care about. Well, exactly. It's the minutes at the end of the game that, uh, that matter. And, you know, you talk about getting away with whatever, you know, certain things. I mean, he got away with five of 14 shooting tonight. I mean, he scored 13 total points, two of seven from yeah. deep. Uh, those two obviously came in crutch time moments in, in the crutch. Did I say crutch? I clutch. say crutch. I say it's crutch. Like, it's like clutch. crunch time and, and crunch, and, crunch clutch. and clutch. But it's clutch time <laughs> moments. That's when he hit his yeah, two threes, two. massive threes. And then, as you mentioned, he made that assist to DeAndre Ayton. So, you know, you'll go back and you'll forget the fact that in the uh, the first half, he was only three and nine from the field and 0 for three from deep. And, you know, although, you know, the thing that you saw tonight and, and we continued kind of harp on this throughout the season is he's really forcing the issue by attacking the rim. Right. Like he is taking the shots. And James Jones was on the broadcast with uh, Eddie Johnson tonight. And they were kind of talking about just that, how, you know, there's this moment where Cam Johnson realizes he's a shooter and the defenders are playing him off the three-point line, but he refused to kind of come off of the three-point line. And now he's kind of understood that, and he, he he's trying to find that balance. That's the key. Uh, trying to find the balance between when I need to take those threes and when I need to attack. And as you see him do it more, I, I really think that he's fine-tuning that balance because he I feel like he's taking great shots, not always going in. Or he's attacking the rim at the appropriate time, especially when the Suns are needed and they're down in the game, because he's ultimately the one who put the the Suns ahead in the second quarter when they made the run coming back, and they never relinquished that lead. They got tied, but they never relinquished it. Yeah, and it's a flow too. It's a flow of which he does it because he has to make the decision before he gets the ball if he's going to go to the rim or not. And that's kind of what Da's doing right now, to where he's kind of more in the flow of the offense, what to do with the ball when he gets it. That's the same thing. Cam has to make those decisions really, really early. So I think he's getting a little bit better at it, but you can still see like he's just a little bit hesitant with things sometimes when he wants to take it to the rim. Exactly. He's still trying to learn how to navigate that space, that space and be confident in it. Uh, but again, I mean, he, the fact that he's even doing that just, it makes me happy to see that we are, he's more than a multi a one dimensional player who just shoots a three. He's a multi-dimensional offensive player who can play some physical defense and, uh, and, you know, gets himself to the line as well. So I think that that's uh, yeah. definitely of note. Uh, one thing I, I see a lot of jamsters are talking about this in the chat. So I'll, I'll, you know, Felix brings up, he says, Wainwright is a beast talking about ish. And then hate zero re replies. Wainwright is trash. <laughs> and it's, it's, you know, yeah. and then uh, one of our lead jamsters, Jay Schneck says, Wainwright is a D league player at best. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let me ask you this question. Why does ish get minutes that could be allocated to Jalen Smith? I don't know. This is going to be a question for the next 10 years when Jalen Smith is still in the sun. And we're just asking, <laughs> Not like, hey, how, come, how come, yeah, how come he had like the one game where he played 30 minutes and he scored like he's 15 and 10, just a really solid game. And he doesn't play for another month. You know, it, it's, there's just something going on behind the scenes. It has to do with the trades or something new because it's, yeah, it's fun. It's really when the Suns are winning, it's fun to have him out there. It's like a Pat Burke. It's just, it's fun to hustle. Pat Burke wasn't a hustle, but I just mean like ish is just a hustle, big body, someone to annoy on defense. But other than that, you're not going to get a lot. I mean, you're not going to expect him to score anything. So I would rather see Jalen out there, but right now it's just so weird to see Jalen Smith come back out there. He even knows when he's on the court, how weird it is that he, maybe he shouldn't <laughs> even be on there on the court. So it's just very awkward situation between that and playing ish because it's always going to be like, how come sticks sticks is like, why the questionable minutes is always, why is sticks not getting minutes? It's always a question. Always. Uh, did you see when Wainwright got his ankles broken by Bryn Forbes? Hmm. Oh, he crossed him over and, and Wainwright went down. It's like uh, Daniel Solomon says in the chat, Wainwright or like Wayne wrong. He was Wayne oops. wrong on that play. Yeah. And uh, Tim Tompkins answers that question. He's like, because Smith is trash. And, you mm -hmm. know, it's it's interesting because have you ever seen the movie It's a Wonderful Life? I was thinking yes. about this today. Yeah, okay, it's so your it's, movie, man. Yeah, it's it's my movie. I love watching it every year. Like, ah, oh, Jimmy Star. It's one movie you cry. One time you cry a year, right? <laughs> it's one. It's like one cry. I I ball at the end of that movie every time. Like I can't help. It's like when his brother Harry comes in. It's just like, bam. So I watch that movie alone. <laughs> Everyone leave me the fuck alone, especially the Lissies, because none of you guys have emotions. So you can't you can't deal with like I'm the a, biggest a, cry baby ever. A, Are you a, hum, a human being crying. Um, but I was thinking about it, and you know the, the whole premise of the movie is. 
Jimmy Stewart's character, uh, Harry Bailey, Harry Bailey, whatever, George Bailey. George Bailey is, you know, he, he doesn't feel like he's worth it, right? Like he wants to commit suicide ultimately and his angel stops him. And, and the whole lesson of the movie is you're worth more alive than you are dead. And trust me, I have a point here. I think about Jalen Smith and I think that he's more valuable right now, not playing than playing. Because if the Suns want to utilize him as an asset, clearly they know that he's got, there's something wrong with him. He played great in summer league. And we talked about that. He played great in the preseason. We talked about that, but still they do not allocate any minutes for him. Abdel Nader was getting minutes. Abdel Nader goes down. It's ish Wainwright, who is, a former tight end for the University of Baylor has been playing overseas all this time. He's 27 years old. They're giving him minutes. As Eddie is talking about on the on the broadcast, he's like, well, you know, he's getting all these minutes because he just he works so hard and he's earned them. It's like, I mean, what does that say about Jalen Smith? And, and then I think, I'm like, oh, Jalen Smith, if you don't show the league what he's about, you can still hang the fact that he is a lottery pick if you need to trade him as an asset. So like George Bailey, he's worth more uh, well, just not playing him. <laughs> he, he's worth more. Not like George Bailey. He's worth he's more, more dead he's than alive. Dead. <laughs> it you get my point, reverse. right? I do get your point. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're totally right. But it's it's weird because we we noticed that. So, you know, like they, they notice the other teams, like they're not playing him for a reason. But he is a lottery pick. And maybe we can build on them. It's like in the Suns in the past would get a player like Sticks. Be like, oh, but he was a he was a lottery pick. And there's potential there. Like it would be exciting. And then that's what some other team might get if we do make a trade. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's what they have. <laughs> that's what they have to yeah, coach fallen fan. Coach Fallen Founder. Jalen Smith, more valuable dead than alive. So confirmed. LOL. No. Damn, it's not what I'm saying, but you get what I'm no. saying. Like, I know. He's, I was worth, kidding, he's yeah. more valuable on the bench than he is actually on the court trying mm. to provide these de- developmental minutes for him. Because again, Ish Wainwright's getting crossed over by Bryn Forbes and falling on his ass and is still going to go ahead and get minutes because yeah. you know he's not a former lottery pick. You're not going to do anything with him. He's not a valuable asset to anyone but the Suns. <laughs> But Jalen Smith could be if they trade for the likes of, oh, I don't know, uh, Thaddeus Young. I mean, there that you conversation is obviously mm-hmm. whenever you play the Spurs, that conversation comes back up. I actually have a, uh, a an article coming out on Bright Side of the Sun either tomorrow or the next day talking about, hey, should we kick the tires on this idea? Because as we've seen injuries start to make their themselves present on the Phoenix Suns, not really like last year, we have to – explore these options and Thaddeus Young although he didn't look too great tonight though did he huh no but it's it's I see it in him I see what the Suns might want in him he's always just around the ball uh under the boards and he's just always in the right spot it seems like but nothing's really flowing for him because I feel like he's just he's separate from what the Spurs are trying to do right now and that's just playing Spurs ball I think Thaddeus is trying to prove himself individually so it's not going to look great it's not going to look good at all so I know what Thaddeus can give to the Suns and I just think that if it's a trade for him, you're not going to see this kind of Thaddeus. I think you're going to see more of a hustle, more of a team guy, because he's going to be in an environment that he wants to be in. So that's all the change is going to be to get him to play the way that we think he can play. And that's why Suns fans want him. And I just, I feel like that's the way the Suns are going to go. And I don't know, Flex did say, right, up to the trade deadline, like mm-hmm. this thing is pretty much going to happen. Maybe, I mean, <laughs> he said before the season, Thaddeus Young, but then he yeah. also said it might take till the trade deadline, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I just wanted to well, confirm that. Which makes sense because Thaddeus Young came over in the trade uh, for DeMar DeRozan. So the Spurs have an asset worth $14 million uh, that, that expires at the end of the year. I mean, he's an unrestricted free agent next year. So there's yeah. a timetable on the leverage that they have. But currently, until the trade deadline, they do have the leverage because, one, they want to see if he can fit within who the Spurs system is, uh, is or are, whatever the right uh, word is there. Uh, two, they... They know that a lot of teams, as they near the trade deadline, are going to be interested and they want to kind of take all offers. They're not going to take the first offer that the Phoenix Suns give them for Jalen Smith and Dario Sarch when they know that at the trade deadline, you're going to get more traction for a role player like Thaddeus Young. So I think the reason that he had a rough night tonight, uh, one for four from the field, two overall points, is because he was really just playing out of position. If he plays for the Phoenix Suns, he's going to become a, he's going to come in as a backup four. He's not going to have to go uh, up against the likes of. 
And that's what happened tonight. I mean, he ha- he ran into J- uh, JaVale McGee, who especially in that first half uh, was an unbelievable beast, man. I mean, overall in the game, he was five for seven from the field with 13 points. And if you look at the first half, that's where all the damage happened. You know, he was four for six in the first half with 10 of his points. And a lot of those came with Thaddeus Young on him because he's just he's such a towering individual uh, who takes up so much space, whereas Thad Young, although he takes up space, is only 6'8". Like, he's your ideal backup four. Yeah, and McGee tonight, I just think that even not tonight, he had like one off game, I think last game. It's like McGee never has an off night. But he ha- he shows in his spurts, right? The energy is always there at the right time, the right moment when the Suns need it, when no one else is really doing what they're supposed to be doing. McGee, McGee comes in and he plays with the high energy that brings the Suns back. But are his minutes trickling down a little bit? I know he does take advantage of the mismatches and all that, but like the last few games, even against the Warriors, like he had like the eight minutes and Mm -hmm. the Suns were trying to maybe play what the Warriors had on the floor, play against that. So I don't know if the Suns are trying to match that or whatever, but I want to see more McGee. Uh, Maybe he's just taking a little break. It's been a long (laughs) win streak. You know what I mean? Maybe he's a little exhausted, but I don't think it has anything to do against the matchups, right? I think it has to do with just maybe him getting a little bit more rest and if the Suns can figure this thing in without without him, then that's good for him because of the rest. But I want to see more of McGee because of the energy he does give all the time. It's just it's a nonstop thing, dude. Yeah, I mean, coming into this game, he was averaging fifteen point six points per, uh, or I'm sorry, minutes per night. And tonight he had twelve point three. So to your point, maybe the Suns are kind of pulling him back a little bit, and you see that because Monty's experimenting with some more of those small ball lineups because you can. Because again, if Thaddeus Young is playing the the five for the Spurs and he's six eight, well, guess what? That means you can throw a little bit of those small ball lineups out there and try to you know just try something different. That maybe they unlock something. They're like, hey, we need to come back to that when we play this team again, or in playoff time, or against the the Clippers or another small team. So it, it's kind of this beautiful double edged sword that you have where you can rest McGee a little bit. Uh, although to your point, like, yes, we would definitely like to see McGee as much as possible because of the energy he brings, but maybe that energy starts to become, starts to become diminished in the second half. And we start to see a little bit more uh, on the foul front from him. Uh, but again, I mean, he's, he plays it with such fun and intensity uh, does a couple goofy things out there every night, uh, but looked at great against the Spurs tonight. I mean, he owned Thaddeus young and I, I wasn't on Twitter too much tonight, but uh, I was interested. I'm interested to see kind of what some of the, the reaction was because, you know, there, there's so many people who are behind Thaddeus Young, myself included. I think that he's somebody who would be definitely welcomed on this team, especially if you're getting rid of a distressed asset in Jalen Smith and a hurt one in Dario Saric. Uh, Coach Fallen Founder brings up it's uh, Thaddeus Young is right now averaging a clear low in minutes with a career high shooting percentage. I mean, so yeah, I mean, you, it makes sense. It's nothing to worry about. I don't think at all. Right. Yeah, no. And I'll tell you another guy who I did not worry about at all tonight, although he did miss some bunnies. Watch. DeAndre Ayton. He ended the night. Uh, let's see. What did he do? 14 points, nine rebounds, 35 minutes played. And, you know, so you really thought, especially as the game started, I mean, he had eight of the Suns' like first 12 points. Yes. You know? I mean, he came yeah. out just just hitting everything. The, the Suns were feeding him. And it just goes to show you that, especially with Devin Booker, I mean, this is this is my issue with Aiden. And, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the time for Aiden to shine. This is the time for the Phoenix Suns to go, you know what? We don't have Devin Booker to open games and close games. Because let's face it, that's what D-Book does. He's not really your second, third court scorer quarter score he's your first quarter and your fourth quarter so i kind of felt like that what is what was happening tonight and what's happened over the past couple games is like feed da early let's go ahead and you know allow him to establish himself perhaps get the opposition in foul trouble but get those points early because you need those points ultimately so you have to replace the points that devin booker uh was providing to the team which is 23 points a game if you're doing like the yeah. the money ball analytic thing and again, same thing kind of happened tonight. Where and that's the difference between like D Book and 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 DeAndre Ayton is Devin Booker cannot shoot the ball for two quarters, come back and just light it up. DeAndre Ayton looked lost at times in this game, man. It was like the return of the Butterfingers tonight, right? Yeah, I mean, we're like I was talking about Cam. Where were we at in his career? So 
DA, I know he's a totally different positional guy than uh, Booker, but is there going to be a time where he's just in a flow? Like he has his offense set to where when he gets the ball, he has his moves, he has his positioning, he has like his spots. I feel like he should have that now to where, you know, Booker is wherever he, he gets to his spots, he does what he does. And he might miss them. He, you know, he'll he'll make most of them, but he might miss them. And DA will miss them, but still, like the releases on a lot of his like jump hooks and stuff, mm-hmm. really rushed and just weird. Mm-hmm. You still got a lot of those really funky, just like four shots, and then like, and then he'll throw his hands like together and be like, God damn it! But then I don't even believe that. <laughs> I don't even believe. I don't believe that's real. I think it's just like, oh, like you know, I did miss it, but. I don't know. I just, there has to be some kind of flow. His offense needs to start making more sense. It has mm-hmm. to make more sense with the Suns. And I don't mean he has to put up big numbers. I'm just saying you have to know as a fan what you're going to expect, where DA is going to be, what he can do for this offense. Whether or not he makes it, I don't care. But it's just so random every night. The energy is so random every night. I just, I'm getting kind of sick of seeing that. I, I'm not complaining about it. he's a phenomenal player and the energy isn't there for every player every night. But we we know what to expect from Mikhail, even mm-hmm. Cameron Johnson, even even uh, Chris Paul, of course, Devin Booker, Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder even has a new mid range game he's trying to prove. Yeah, to everybody. So I just it's just so weird to watch Da sometimes because you don't know what to expect and it's like how much longer are we going to go through that. You know what I mean? On offense where it just doesn't make sense. Well, it's funny because at the back end of the 18-game win streak, we were both praising DA because of the rhythm of the game and the way that he attacked on offense, right? There were possessions where, you know, he kind of instinctively knew, okay, I need to hold the ball high, wait mm-hmm. a couple seconds, let the defense recover behind itself because uh, they're not going to double me on this one, and then I'm going to go to task. Or I need to catch this real quick, turn and shoot, because I know that the double team's coming. And you know, a, a couple things that I saw tonight are contradictory to that, and this kind of fortifies your point of like the inconsistencies, what drives you crazy about DA at times, is exactly tonight is, you know, he get the ball and he just shoot it real quick. No double teams are coming. He's got the time. He's got Yaka Pirtle on him, so he's got time to do yeah. it. You know, and Yaka, you know, Shout out to Jakob Pertl. I mean, he played a great game. Uh, he's a physical defender. He's somebody who gets in DA space, and he's just one of those guys who you can tell is somebody who does bother DA when he plays against him. Uh, but at the same time, like he would rush his shots, especially at the end of the game, and then multiple times, and this is what drives me crazy about DA sometimes, man. He's not looking to score at all, so when the team finds him, He's not ready for it. And, you know, he just, he either fumbles it away or keeps the ball down. And that's when the swats yeah. come. You know, the, the pass from Cameron Johnson to DA, he did not expect that shit at all, but he was so wide open, he couldn't fuck it up. There was no yeah. one there to swat at. He's like, oh shit, I got the ball. Let me dunk this thing. And you could see, you can feel him thinking on those possessions. And that kind of fortifies what you're saying. It's like, we don't, we don't consistently know what we're going to get from DA and to Tim Tompkins point in the chat, he says, love having a number one pick. The Suns never go to in crunch because they, 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 they don't know necessarily that they can, you know, and Hey dot zero says, I love DA's defense, but he needs to learn to be ready to catch for the ball. And I feel like when CP three's out there, he's conditioned to be ready to catch the ball. Uh, but you can see, and maybe I'm misreading this moment, but there, there was a pass in there where CP three turned into Cam Newton. And he, he drove to the right. He was kind of jumping out of bounds. D.A. standing around in the basket. He just fucking chucked it at him. And D.A. wasn't ready for it. And D.A. dropped the ball and yeah. turned into a turnover. And that's kind of one of those. It, it's like one of those moments. You know the old Peyton Manning Saturday Night Live skit when you know he, he drops back and he's playing with the little kids. He's like, all right, you know. And he just fucking starts pelting him in the back of the head. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like if yeah. you're open, I'm going to throw yeah. you the ball. And if you're not ready, I'm still going to throw you the ball and hit you with it hard. And that was almost like that CP3 moment where he's like, dude, like fucking be ready for this. Because it was like the fourth time he had dropped. A, a pass where it's hit him in the hands and you know there's only one pass that i feel like was below his knees everything else was like kind of hitting him in the hands in transition him him cutting when he should be ready or when at or he's running towards the basket mikhail bridges is running to go for a layup he realizes the defense is going to focus on him so he passes da and da is too busy looking up at the rim doesn't realize that the ball is going to come his way it's that inconsistency that really just kind of mm. you know obviously frustrates uh a lot of our our jamsters as well because they're they're 
they're yeah and it makes sense too. we we should expect we should know what to expect from da now it's just i'm getting sick of this i know he shows up at crunch time he had a big block he has big rebounds he does what he needs to do when it needs to be when it needs to happen but it's just throughout the whole game like we don't ever say this about any other player you know i just i don't get it i don't understand and like cp3 always says i'm always on him all game long i'm on his ass he deserves the money all that shit he even said it this year like i'm always on him last interview he was on with espn or something yeah it's like okay so why At don't you point? know why don't you know what you should be doing like is is the offense changing that often is this like a like a, a thousand page book for the Indianapolis Colts when when Peyton Manning was a was a president and the actual quarterback I just I don't understand like what he's watching what he's learning in this offense to where it's still so difficult on a pick and roll to where to go and just know when to catch the ball and be ready just be ready well, yeah, and again, um, at, what, at what point do you have to bro. stop? Does CP have to have to stop yelling at? Him? And, yeah, I know. And again, I'm you know, just here, saying. Here we are, second year, but here, here, on, here, here we are ragging on Da after a victory. You know, typical yeah. Suns fans. But you know, again, we've seen his great moments. We know what he can be, and he's he's yeah. had a lot more great moments and he's had bad moments. But I just feel like this was an opportunity to really shine again tonight. And he just he started off great, and he just kind of petered away. And when yeah. that happens, it's just disappointing because he's our number one pick because we yeah. want him uh, to play out of his mind and to just fortify the the love that we have for him. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up: Jay and Mikhail, they have an invisible yeah. floaties thing. Did you know about this? How did I? No. What is this? So what they do is after they make like a mid range floaty shot, they kind of put act like they put on invisible floaties. Oh, Eddie wow. mentioned it on the broadcast. That's I'm awesome. like, how have I? How am I just now learning about this? <laughs> That's I never noticed awesome. that. Man. Yeah, I never noticed. Um, but Jay, uh, really quick before I forget, Jay Crowder, he was like the free throw line kind of like he was putting on a show or something. Every time he was at the free throw line or standing there while someone else was shooting, the camera was always on him. He always had a look on his face like he knew everyone was watching and he's just like laughing. Like he was, he had some antics tonight at the free throw line. I don't know. I guess oh, he's yeah. always that way, but after I noticed he it missed tonight, one. Sure. After he missed one, he acted like he was just going to chuck it against the backboard. Yeah, but like, Every time anybody was shooting a free throw, they'd go on Jay's like, yeah. And he's like smiling, and he's not smiling. And it's just, he's just, he's funny, man. He was having a good time, man. He was having a good time. And you know what? His third quarter is what really propelled the Suns uh, to that lead that they had. Ultimately, they gave it up in the third quarter. But you look at what he did. He had 13 points on five of eight shooting, including two of four from deep in the third. I mean, Jay Crowder was a beast tonight. Uh, his final stat line was 19 points on 7 of 14 shooting. And again, when we talk about Devin Booker being out, you need people like Jay Crowder, like Cameron Johnson, uh, like Ish Wainwright, <laughs> no, like Landry Shaman to like step up and provide those points in his stead. So uh, a solid performance by him tonight, a solid performance by Mikhail Bridges. Uh, he had nine rebounds tonight, which was which uh, is his season high. Only six points tonight, but had those nine rebounds, a lot more active on the glass. Yish. Correct? Yish. Okay, just making sure I was correct. Okay. <laughs> um, real quick before we hand out the damn star. Wow, it's already 47 minutes in. Yeah, I know. Um, is there anything else I wanted to talk about? Uh, Jacob Pertle. Why do you, how, how do you say Pertle? Like, it does not spell Pertle. That is <laughs> like the most annoying lesson. The reason I never got into hockey is as a young child growing up in Los Angeles, you had the LA Kings, right? You had Wayne Gretzky on those hockey teams. Uh, but one... And, and, like, I played roller hockey and stuff, like, on the playgrounds in, in Sepulveda, California. There I was, you know. But I can never say any of their last names because everyone in hockey is, like, Pertle. It's, like, a bunch of consonants with two vowels in there, and I had no <laughs> idea how to say it. It's, it's Jakob Pertle, but spelt like Jacob Poitel. I just... Yeah, when we did the game preview, I think the first game you said like Poetel or something. But yeah, it's like I'm, we played against them before. We know it's Pertle, but then when you're reading it off, it's like Poetel. We forget. Yeah, I just I don't get it. And again, that's why <laughs> I'm not a hockey fan. So uh, on that note, ladies and gentlemen. Jam star of the game. This is a reminder if you're listening to subscribe rate and review and if you're watching along live on youtube hit that thumbs up button while you're here hit that subscribe button and join become an elite jamster simply by pressing the join button or following the link in the description uh matthew i'll let you go who go for go first 
<laughs> Who's your jam star of the game? Uh, it's going to be Jay Crowder for sure. I mean, it's, he did lead the team, or second in the team, I'm sorry, with 19 points. But his his threes in the clutch were really, really big. I just think he started the game the way he did and coming in and scored 12 points right away in the second half. It was just something to give the Suns a boost. I know the Spurs came back, but that was what gave the Suns that big lead, the big cushion to where they can let the Spurs come back and then they would take the lead again. <laughs> but his antics at the free throw line, I'm telling you, it was like it was his own show out there. He was just messing around with everybody like even like the spurs players and like holding the ball and like not letting them touch it like it's like his <laughs> little he should have his own little segment at the free throw line or something because that's what made me write down jam star i was like oh nice nice threes you made jay but you were hilarious too at the free throw line <laughs> uh i'm gonna give mine to cp3 definitely a a solid fourth quarter he ends the night with 21 points and 10 assists 9 of 18 from the field but you look at what he did in the in the fourth quarter where he scored 10 points and had two assists. And you look at kind of how the Suns operated the clutch time. So I actually tracked this tonight. Uh, once we hit clutch time, which is five minutes left with and two teams within five points of each other, you had CP3 went three for five, had that amazing block on DeJounte Murray and went one for three on the free throw line, missing the last two of the game. You had uh, Jay Crowder who forced a turnover, got a turnover, got a technical foul. Aiton was two for two in crunch time, and Cam Johnson was two for two with the amazing assist to DeAndre Aiton and both of his field goals being three-pointers. Uh, and then the team defense was just absolutely fantastic in the last five minutes. I think that's what really won the game for us. Um, but I am going to go with CP3. I think that you know a, a guy who is at his age using his cerebral attack to this game is ultimately what uh, will put the Suns over the top. You know. I, was this game in doubt? No, I really don't think it was because you have Chris Paul. That's the why. And even with Devin Booker out and the Phoenix Suns are going to have the opposition really key in on CP three. Now, you know, that's one of the things we talked about during the winning streak. When you have CP three and Devin Booker in, in the clutch moments, like it's really hard for the defense to, to try to take away both of them, let alone one. When you, when you have just one of them out there, they can key in on him, and he's still, fucking he he still navigated it so uh kind of going down the list coach fallen founder gives it to javel uh code jjm give it to doug mcdermott yeah fuck it why not uh <laughs> cp3 for the block jam play of the game from nathaniel oh, that was sick man that was sick man yeah, uh was. ted lubin cp3 equals jam star boss man 99 from fabio uh, mcgee from walter lazo cp from hayden uh hey zero uh boss man cp3 and mcgee you know, definitely a lot of worthy nominees tonight. So, you know, fuck it. We'll give it to everybody. What okay. a win. What a win. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jay, Jay's technical. I thought it was hilarious. I Suns were still going to win. Yeah. It was just like. It was such Even a, the technical, I love. It was, it was such an <laughs> hard interesting. hard to hate him, man. It was such an interesting spot for a technical foul to do, to occur. Yeah, so uh, before we get into the preview, I do want to remind everybody that this show is sponsored by Just Sports. The Suns Jam Session podcast is brought to you by Just Sports. Enter the code SUNSJAM at checkout for any of your online orders and receive 15% off of your purchase. That's right. Let them know that the Suns Jam Session guy sent you. Again, that is promo code SUNSJAM when checking out at shopjustsports.com. And I got to say, man, I was in Just Sports the other day, and they got a lot of fresh new Suns gear for Christmas. So now's do the they? time. Okay, They do. They All got right. some really cool shit. There's there, some so. good hat selections, even like a hat club and stuff. There's a lot of hats now for the Suns. So I, I, I got to get a new Ch one for the pod. I, I was at Chandler Mall the other day, and like hat club changed their logo, and it's like very refined. Like the font is just like, a Times New Roman or something. It's just like hat club. Simple. It's all Sim simple now. Yeah. Simple. It, elegant. People like the simple. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it simple. Too much stupid. stuff going on. Amen. All right. Suns versus Celtics preview. That's going to be Friday night. So we yeah. have like a whole week almost without Suns Vacation. basketball. This is weird, man. Very weird. But, yeah. but tell me what you think of the 2021-22 version <laughs> of the Boston Celtics. Well, Jalen Smith, Jalen Brown, it's definitely something I never thought would ever work out. It kind of looks like that's what's going on. Um, the Celtics, it's so weird how like just such a short time ago they were on their way to winning a title, and now they just don't even know what the hell to do with their roster. So it's kind of open, up in the air. They're the most mediocre team I think I've ever seen play. One <laughs> night, Jason Tatum looks like an all-star, and then all, honestly, the next, the next game he'll – 
he'll just be shit. The team will be shit. They don't have any effort like uh, most of the time. So it's a weird thing that's going on over there. I mean, I can re- read off the stats, but just my gut feeling really is that team with Jalen Brown, Jalen Smith, or Jalen, uh, Jason Tatum. Mm-hmm. Jalen Smith in the beginning? I might have. I Jason Tatum. Yeah, Jalen Brown. Those those two, when you have wings like that that want to be the star of the team, that's difficult to do. You got to do it like the Suns, where you have Cameron Johnson and Mikael Bridges that really complement each other a lot, especially Jay Crowder. That's the right way to fill up that wing position. I just think what the Celtics are doing with their roster right now just gives the Suns not an easy win, but you just know that they're a better team heading into this game. Well, there's a better team entering this game, and they're also uh, not going to be in a good spot necessarily to beat the Suns. Because you look at their schedule this week, they play at the Lakers tomorrow, and then they follow that up at the Clippers the following day. They have an off day, then they play the Suns. So they're just they're making their southwestern swing through the country right now. And I just I think that, yeah, they are a team that is what what makes Phoenix such a good team is they know exactly who they are. They have an identity in all aspects of the game. Their first team does, their second team does. They know who they are in the clutch time. Whereas, to your point, the Boston Celtics just don't know who they are. I mean, you have Jason Tatum. You have Jalen Brown. Both are not really alphas. Both would prefer to be betas, but both have to play alphas at time. Uh, Now, that being said, Jalen Brown, uh, he's been out for, God, I feel like a while. He's, he has a hamstring issue, you know, a la uh, Devin Booker. Hasn't really played a bunch this season. He's played only in 13 games. Um, he did play on the first. So, so he, he he did come back from his hamstring issue, but now he's been out the past two day, uh, past two games with the hamstring issue. So, you know, obviously one of their stars is out. And, and to your point, Jason Tatum, uh, you know, again, you talk about DeAndre Ayton being the number one pick, Nike not even getting a Nike commercial. Then you have like Jason Tatum who gets like all the Nike commercials, all the Gatorade commercials, and and you just <laughs> don't even know if he's yeah he's like the anointed one by the NBA. Too and, early, um, right? Yeah, well, I mean, like he he scores mm-hmm. right, like he's mm-hmm. averaging twenty five point two points per game, but he does it on twenty one point seven shots. So he's just like a highly inefficient player. He's somebody who definitely needs, you know, he, he's a guy like it's he, like Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant's a guy who puts up a ton of uh, of numbers because he gets a ton of attempts. And you put this guy on like a team, you know, and to your point, I mean, they went to the Eastern Conference Finals twice uh, right after acquiring him via the draft. But he just, I don't know. I just, I've never been a huge Jason Tatum guy. And, and part of that is probably because the media, which we shouldn't care about, as we discussed earlier, shoves these guys down our throat, right? So, I mean, it's a win for the Suns. Yeah, I'm definitely going to say it's a win. Uh, Someone actually put it in the chat really quick. Uh, the Suns, whatever they ever won again. We got Kendall Jenner, dude. And Booker is handling that relationship very, very well. So that's a win right there. <laughs> well, you know, when, whenever people ask that question, like, what have, this, what have they ever won again? Um, yeah. You know, my question is, are we talking about this season and we're talking about, you know, what's in front of us? Or are we just going to live in the past all the time and have to hang our hats on championships from – and and Phoenix Suns runs from years ago. Mm-hmm. It's like talking to uh, uh, a Cowboys fan or a no. I'm just oh, you, you you never. Do that. <laughs> I don't. I hate you the know. Cowboys. But it, it's 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 like the uh, um it's 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 like Ohio State. Like Ohio State lost to Michigan two weeks ago, and all of a sudden, all my Ohio State friends start rattling off all these statistics of everything that's happened in their history. And like that's great. Uh, did you did you mm-hmm. beat Michigan this year? Like we're talking about literally what happened. So it's just an interesting yeah. reflex that some people have. It's when your team's doing well, they feel that one. Well, you've never won anything. Oh fuck me, you're right. We've never won anything. <laughs> oh, Welp, you know, like yeah, Chris Stanley's just like no, no. How many champions have we won ever? None. I guess I shouldn't ever root for this team because they've never won a championship. You're right. I'll wait till they win a championship and then I'll start cheering for them. So you know. Thanks for stopping by the pod, brother. Uh, I I can't stand that mode of thinking. I'm a Notre Dame fan. You never hear me talking about 1988 or you know all the national 11 national championships we've won. Because guess what? We're talking about this season and what's going on right now. So again, that's just an interesting reflex that some people have. So, oh, he said later, losers. Dang it, man! And his picture holding his symbols looks so cool on YouTube. Good for Chris Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Uh, you, sorry, do you know what that, that up. You know, do you, you know what that guy up. needs to do? Terrible. Take a lap. 
just take a lap, dude. Just take a lap. Go to another podcast and get troll back, them. Have a good time. Have a good time. Get back. Yeah. So, I mean, we got the last couple minutes of the pod. What do you think of the Get right. Back documentary? Um, You know what? It's funny to watch it. The reason Did you I watch the whole thing? I watched the whole thing. I've been okay. where I was working this weekend. I had it on the background. So I was thinking that, um, you know, it wasn't released till now. And I think the reason that I thought that why, you know, 1969 when it was recorded, right? Mm hmm. And they take for it because you just see how just normal the Beatles are, how annoying they can be, how just like, you know, I was in a band for like five years with one band or four years. And I'm not saying I'm the Beatles at all, but exactly what they did jamming out and just recording and all that. That is exactly what we used to do. Every band does. So you just see how normal they are. And just, you know, I think Bill Simmons was talking about how annoying Paul McCartney, Paul McCartney and John Lennon might be acting in front of the camera. It's like, no, that's exactly what we would do in, in practice. You would jamming out. You'd be one-on-one with somebody. Some guy might be hurt, like uh, George Harrison. Is that his name? Did I say it wrong? Yeah, no, it's George, George Harrison. Harrison. Yeah, George Harrison might get his feelings hurt and not think yeah. he's capable so that all that stuff happens with like every band it just shows how like humanized they are and you just don't want to see that i think that that would have ruined a lot of what i, I want to hear what your take is but i think that would have ruined a lot of like how you know people think they're like gods and all this and that like nothing can go wrong with these guys but then you just see how normal they are and yoko ono my whole life the media says it's her fault that the fields break <laughs> up. Broke up but you see i don't even know if it's a smidge of the reason because she just sits there and hangs out with john lennon the whole time <laughs> so it's like we're fed this whole thing this whole lie my whole life that yoko was an evil person and I just didn't see that as a case. Well, I'll tell you this: what's evil is the way she sings. It's Yoko Ono is not good singing. Oh, She's oh, 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 oh. I mean, it's, it's the worst shit ever. And uh, so I am a massive Beatles fan, like yeah, big time. Uh, in in your life, I might be the biggest Beatles fan you know. Um, and that's that could be said about uh, a lot of people that I know. Just I, I love the Beatles. So obviously, when I heard this was coming out, uh, I went ape shit. I was watching it on plane rides and all kinds of stuff. And I forgot that you were in a band. So, yeah, you would definitely see this through the eyes of somebody who was actually a, a, a musician, which is one thing I lack talent completely. I cannot play shit. Uh, so, so, so you can know you're you fucking rock. And I think that, you know, that, that's an interesting point of view you have. For me, I loved it because it humanized the Beatles, because I know that there was so much, you know, there, there's such a mystique and aura around the Beatles, especially when you talk about the breakup, because a lot of the footage that was taken from this original uh, these revisional recording sessions became a film called Let It Be. And it was kind of like after the Beatles broke up, they put this out and, it, and they edited it in a way where it looked like the Beatles hated each other. And, you know, you go back and you watch this and you see some of those familiar scenes. And then, you know, you kind of back up and you see the context in which they occurred. And it's like they didn't hate each other at all. These are, you know, just a bunch of different personalities who've been together a lot, uh, who produced some of the most amazing music ever revolutionary and there was a lot of drugs involved i mean they didn't show john lennon shooting heroin or smoking weed the he whole time about but, it, but, he, but he was talking about it because he did it you, you know, know so yeah. you know you put all those things together and you know the financial side of it and all of these different you know all these different x factors ultimately left to led to the breakup of the beatles but what i loved was just seeing the constant creativity and how paul mccartney's just sitting there he's just kind of you know they're waiting for len to show up so he's just kind of like riffing on the guitar a little bit and all of a sudden that's where get back comes from and you're seeing let it be be created and you're seeing a bunch of these songs that ended up on abbey road which is actually released before the let it be album how a lot of them kind of came to life there and i love creativity and seeing that from a band that i revere so much and i love their catalog so much uh obviously it was just it was a great piece of content it's a marathon to anybody who hasn't watched it it's like eight hours <laughs> long it's it's For on sure. disney plus uh, but it's it was absolutely fantastic. And Coach AJM says the red hot chili peppers are better. And you know what? You might be right, but you know what? There'd be no red hot chili peppers if it isn't for the Beatles. And that's what makes yeah. the Beatles so or uh, Rick Rubin too. And I <laughs> Rick yes, Rubin, Rick Rubin yeah, dude, Rick Rubin's um, a beast. Yeah, he knew how to make those. I don't think the Beatles <laughs> Nirvana singles... in four. <laughs> Nirvana, yeah. Dude, yeah, I, I love know. Nirvana too, man. And there'd be no Nirvana without the Beatles. I mean, all Kurt Cobain did exactly. was rip off like the basic chords that the Beatles did. Anyways, mm -hmm. sorry. No, it's okay. I just it was funny seeing the practices. It just was really just a trip. Like when they're the let it be uh the recording, 
you just see Ringo in the back, like raising his sticks, like, oh my God, this is like the hundredth time we did this. Like, what? Like, they all just make fun of the song as Paul McCartney's doing it for real. Yes. Yes. The stuff you hear and you're just like crying, like, oh, let it be. It's like Ringo's like, oh, let it be. They're just like ma- mimicking it. Like, that's the way yeah, it is. Yeah, John Lennon's like record, mouthing it. You're just so sick of playing it. You just, you're making fun of everything. You're sick of, you're not sick of each other too much, but you just, you get, and I know they got sick of just being in the band. They still loved each other, it seemed like. They just, the Beatles thing, it's just, they were done with it. Except for, you know, you can tell Paul McCartney wanted to keep it going. He just oh, had course. all these ideas. He's like, ah, I just want to do this. And then, you know, the other guy's like, no, there's more to life. I would rather just be doing other exactly. things than doing this. Yeah, so. McCartney always had to prove himself over and over again. Whereas Lennon, you know, he was just happy being happy. You know why? That's because mm-hmm. he's a Libra. So, uh, on, on that note, uh, you know what? I don't get tired of doing this podcast. So I was happy to do this one. This is the best band I've ever been in, Matthew. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Me too. Who's Lennon and who's McCartney here? Um, <clears throat> I'll be Lennon. I can do the heroin. Okay. I'll be McCartney. I'll be always trying to prove myself. <laughs> yeah, you're McCartney. It's like we re- we go to the hotel to uh, record and stuff. They're like waiting outside. They're like, I just want to see John. I want to see John Voida. I don't care about Matthew Lissy. I like but Matthew Lissy. I want to see Matthew Lissy. He's got a lot of funny takes he does, isn't it? <laughs> All right. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, we've gone on too long and we thank you for hanging out with us a little extra on this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. Uh, Your team is now 20 wins and four losses. Just say that out loud. 24 games into the season. We're a third of the way through this bitch and we're looking pretty darn good. So this is a reminder. Make sure you follow the show at Suns Jam on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all the social media outlets. You can follow me at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew. Matthew, let's see. And we'll see you on Friday night when the Suns play the Boston Celtics. Indeed. Uh, home and love your family. Hey, Jude. Oh, wait, that wasn't on the Let It Be album. Oops. <laughs>